Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Deep Roots at Home podcast, and I am so thrilled to have you here today, and I know our listeners are going to be just very blessed by what we have in store for you today. We have back with us Israel Wayne. Now, Israel was with us um, a couple of few months ago, and if you have not heard um, the podcast that we had with Israel before, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. So Israel is no stranger to all of us. And today we are going to be talking about specifically homeschooling. Israel has written a book called Answers for Homeschooling. And I was actually just looking a little bit about this um, before the podcast started. And someone has said this book is the Walmart or Costco of consumer information for homeschoolers. And so uh, Israel has basically taken 25 questions that uh, your loved ones might have as you're considering homeschooling, or you might personally have as you're thinking about homeschooling. And so today we're just gonna go over some of those questions and uh, talk about homeschooling, and hopefully this will be an encouragement to a lot of our listeners. So welcome to the podcast, Israel. Thank you, it's great to be back. Yes, well, we are very happy to have you. We're gonna just jump right in, and I'm gonna just take the first uh, question that you have for in the book, which is, is homeschooling legal? And I know that it seems like um, in today's day and age, it seems like homeschooling can kind of even be very popular and a fad these days, uh, much different than when you and I were homeschooling back in the in the dark ages of homeschooling. But you still have people asking, is that even legal? Because, um, you know, there's just not enough information out there about the legality of this. So tell me, how would you answer that question? Well, I didn't spend a lot of time in the chapter answering the question, is it legal? Because that's a fairly obvious question these days. Um, It is legal in all 50 states in the United States. There are certain countries around the world where it is not. uh, And we need to continue to pray for and work towards uh, freedom for those countries as well. But uh, while every state has some level, different level of uh, regulation related to homeschooling, Homeschooling is an option uh, in the United States and Canada and Mexico and most parts of the world. Um, the, what I did in the chapter, though, is I told a brief history of the modern day homeschooling movement and how homeschooling was not always legal in the United States because That's of compulsory right. attendance laws that started in the United States around 1852 in Massachusetts. And then by 1900, almost every state had compulsory attendance laws that forced you to send your children to a government school. So really the government had a monopoly on education until about 1925 when the Catholics were able to uh, fight a Supreme Court battle called Pierce versus Society of Sisters and get exemption from the government school compulsory attendance laws to start their own parochial schools. And then uh, again in 1972, which is much later, the Amish Uh, won a case called Wisconsin versus Yoder that gave them the ability to start their own parochial schools. And so that then opened up the Christian school movement in the 1970s, the 1980s, 
the modern day homeschooling movement built on some of the legal cases that were one related to the Christian school movement. And in 1983, Homeschool Legal Defense Association started and about 26 different state homeschooling associations. And they began to uh, work to have uh, homeschooling laws uh, passed in every state that would protect homeschooling freedom. So I talk about that in the book, Answers for Homeschooling. Um, and then I also uh, have a, a workshop. This is the book. For, I don't know if we're doing video here or not, but anybody watches it's video. Audio. Mm-hmm. It's just the audio. Okay, well, you can uh, look it up online, the Answers for Homeschooling book. Um, but uh, I also have an audio presentation called A History of the Homeschooling Movement that people can download for free if they go to familyrenewal.org forward slash store uh, and go to the audio section. It's called A History of the Homeschooling Movement. They can just search for it there. And uh, it's about an hour long presentation um, that I think will be very enlightening to people because a lot of people don't know that parents back in the 1980s were being arrested and uh, threatened with having their children taken away from them simply because they wanted to teach them at home. I think it's important for us to know our history. So I would encourage people to um, check out the the brief history and the Answers for Homeschooling book, but then a little bit more extended version of that in that audio presentation called A History of the Homeschooling Movement. You know, I was one of those families when um, my parents decided to homeschool me in the mid 80s and we were up in Minnesota. And uh, yeah, we did not play out in the yard during school hours. We had a plan with one of our friends if some if someone should come to our door. And so, um, you know, it was not illegal, but there was no legality written about it. So because there was no law at all, it was considered illegal by many people. And so um, we, I think those of us that homeschool nowadays, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, because it wasn't always that way where we could just be very openly um, out in our yards doing things out during the day and say, oh, we're homeschooled, you know? (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So one of the questions that I know every homeschool mom battles with, and especially those that are beginning to homeschool, is the qualification. They just feel so inept. And um, I remember, in again, with my own story, my grandfather was very upset that we were going to homeschool because my mother had barely been able to finish high school. She had no college degree. And so um, this is, again, an old age old question. And I know a lot of moms that are considering homeschooling, they feel their inadequacies and they they worry about whether or not they qualify for homeschooling. So what would you say to that question? Well, one thing I want to be very clear about related to my book, Answers for Homeschooling, is it's not merely a book of my opinions. Uh, There are are actually studies on almost all of the topics that I address, and I draw deeply from research and statistics and studies, uh, many of which are peer-reviewed. And uh, so there are a lot of, there's a lot of objective data on on this type of, um, on these questions. So on this one in particular, um, the National Home Education Research Institute has published results of standardized testing, standardized achievement tests for homeschool students versus private school and public school students. Um, People who want to visit their website can do so at nheri.org, nheri.org. 
And uh, Dr. Brian Ray has been doing research on homeschooling since the early 1980s. And there have been a number of different studies related to academic performance with homeschoolers. But on average, homeschoolers tend to score about 30 percentile higher than their counterparts in government schools. And what is surprising about this in particular is that the academic performance of homeschoolers is not radically different based on the academic pedigree of the parent. So for example, if you have a homeschool parent who has a high school diploma or less and a homeschooling parent who has a PhD or a teaching certificate, um, the homeschooled students all tend to do fairly close to the same mm. in terms of their academic performance. Uh, that is not true within the public school system. So parents who would have a PhD or a teaching certificate, their students in the public school would do far better than public school students who have whose parents have a high school diploma or less. So that's an interesting, interesting. Uh, dynamic. But yeah. when you compare the average, the median average of students in the government school against the average homeschool student, um, you find that on average, the homeschool students will score about 30% higher uh, than the, the public school students, regardless of the educational performance of the parents, the, the academic uh, background. So in other words, a, a mom who has her children in the public school who has a PhD uh, up against a homeschool mom with a high school diploma or less, the homeschool student will still, uh, on average, be significantly higher on the standardized achievement tests than the public school parent. So there's a number of ways that we can think about this, and I think there's there's an adequate explanation for why this is the case. Um, within the public school system, and almost every public school teacher will tell you this, uh, students tend to perform based on how much parental involvement there is at home. Mm. So when you have parents that are deeply interested in the schooling of their child, those students tend to do better academically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so parents who are certified teachers or who have a PhD, obviously schooling is very important to them right. and they are going to be deeply invested and interested in seeing that their children excel academically. Whereas a parent who has a high school diploma or less than a high school diploma uh, may not, it may not be as important to them. They may be like, Hey, I kind of barely got through high school. You'll be fine. You know, that kind of thing. However, uh, in a homeschool context, all parents are equally involved. I mean, I understand there's a couple caveats to that, but for the most part, all homeschooling parents are equally involved and parental involvement seems to be the key to academic performance, not academic achievement on the part of the parent. So that's what makes homeschooling a level playing field because if you're a mom who has a high school diploma or less and you're willing to put in the same amount of effort as the mom with the PhD, you're gonna get very similar outcomes. And so this is very encouraging for those who homeschool that, um, and, and in fact, I'll go farther than that and say that in the, the many, many years I've been involved in, in homeschooling, in fact, my family started uh, homeschooling. I, I was homeschooled as a student. Um, my family started homeschooling uh, over 45 years ago. So uh, we've been in this a while. Wow. Uh, yeah. So So basically what I've seen in the many years that I've been involved in home education is that uh, being a certified teacher and having spent time in the public school actually is a detriment to you as a parent 
in terms of homeschooling in most cases. Mm -hmm. You are actually going to have to go through an awful lot of unlearning and, and de-schooling, if you will, to be able to get outside of that government school mentality to homeschool effectively. Um, there are just so many things that institutional do schooling does that are harmful and detrimental to true education and true learning um, that, that parents can get there, but it often takes school teachers longer uh, to get there than the average parent because they have so many misconceptions about what education is supposed to look like and they wrongly equate education with schooling. Right. And so, um, so oftentimes, and I've heard this directly from hundreds of, of friends of mine who were in the public school system as teachers and now homeschool, they often say that being a teacher was actually not a help. It was a hindrance to them in terms of making the shift over into homeschooling. So it's kind of odd how a lot of people feel like you know, so they'll meet a, a homeschooling family and they'll tell me, well, but she's qualified to teach her children because uh, she was a teacher in the public school. Um, but but in essence, that usually just makes it harder because you have a lot of wrong bias. So right. bottom line is um, homeschooling parents um, are excellent teachers. Homeschooling students excel regardless of the academic pedigree of their parents. And that is largely due to parental involvement. Uh, which is something that by nature and by default, um, virtually all homeschooling parents give equally. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. And not to mention the amount of resources that are out there today and support system for those subjects that maybe, maybe those subjects that are harder, that maybe are not your special gifting. There's just so much out there that actually, you know, yours and my parents didn't have that now there's just tons and tons and tons of opportunities um, for some of those uh, those higher, you know, if your child is going to be doing the higher maths and the higher sciences and those type of things. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can get anything that a government school classroom has. I mean, literally down to like the desks and the chalkboard if you wanted it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you literally can get anything they have as a homeschool parent. But then you have access to hundreds of thousands of resources that they don't even know exist. Uh, it's one of the wonderful things about the homeschooling movement is that there are lots of publishers who've created resources for homeschoolers, which actually work better in a homeschool environment than materials created for a classroom environment. Yes. And, um, and, and people who have learned how to deal with very unique specialty type issues. And so, um, you know, if your child is a kinesthetic learner or a visual learner, auditory learner, you have the ability to leave the um, structure uh, and, and restrictions of the classroom setting and to teach in a very non-traditional way. 
whereas the classroom doesn't do that. You know, they're they're out they're teaching to the average. Uh, I often joke that the government school system is one of the few industries in the world that aims for average. And uh, in homeschooling, you don't have to do that. You can customize the education to conform to each individual child, which you never have the luxury to do in a classroom, a formal classroom setting. So tons of advantages academically for homeschoolers. Yeah, I can actually remember with one of my children, my firstborn, who's now 26, when I was first starting out with him, um, I think I've told this story before, but basically he, um, it didn't take me long to realize that as I was trying to teach him phonics, the, the curriculum that I had was heavily based on writing. So you'd learn, you know, the phonic sound, and then you'd have to write, 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 all of this writing. And my son, his motor skills were not developed enough yet to really do a whole lot of writing yet. And I realized that I was hindering him from really learning how to read, slowing him down because of the heavy emphasis in writing. So I began, I switched over to another phonics program that was heavily just learning the phonics and applying it right away a lot less writing going on and my my son was be able to was able to flourish and just learn to read so quickly same thing with his math when uh he um he could do the sums in his head he could do these problems but he couldn't write them so i began to be you know his transcriptionist and i did i wrote most of his schooling for him for the first couple of years of schooling and he was able to read at an eighth grade level he was able to do all of these things because i wrote for him and then finally his motor skills caught up and he was able to begin to write himself but if i had not realized this about him he would have been one of those average, you know, stumbling students that would have been painfully slowly uh, working their way through a curriculum, but not able to uh, really look at what his giftings were and and really tailor things to, to him. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the blessings a lot of people find once they finally get over the fear uh, of teaching themselves because the government schools cripple parents by teaching them that they're inadequate and that they're right. not capable um, when they really are. Um, but when they, when they start teaching, they actually find that they know their student best <laughs> surprise, surprise. Right. And they, they usually know what's best for their student and it tends to work better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about the age old question? What about socialization? This is one that I can't even believe we still have this question out there today, but it is still one of the first questions that anybody that is, uh, you know, learning that you're going to homeschool, they pull that one out. So how would you answer that one, Israel? Well, I have about 20 different ways I can answer that. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a chapter in the answers book on socialization, but I also wrote a separate article, sorry, chapter in my education, Does God Have an Opinion book? And so both of those books have a chapter on socialization, but coming at it from a completely different angle. And so uh, depending on on what day it is and what mood I'm in, um, I may take a completely different swing at that question. But I guess the one that I'll, I'll pick just off the top of my head is um, in, I think it was 2007 or eight, Dr. Brian Ray did a study um, on homeschool graduates, which was the first of its kind. There've been a, a couple since. But um, this one was a study of 8,000 homeschooled graduates who had been homeschooled for seven years or more, 
because uh, we wanted to make sure they were truly representative of homeschooling, not somebody who was homeschooled for one year and you know went 11 years to an institutional school. So if you were homeschooled seven years or more, um, K through 12, you were eligible to participate in the study. And they traced these um, homeschooled graduates into their adult years and found out what are they doing now? And they found that homeschoolers as adults uh, were more positively involved socially than private schoolers and public schoolers. So, so the what if, or I'm sorry, like the, uh, the what then, I guess, question related to socialization is if the student is not properly socialized, then uh, what are the consequences of that, right? So the concern about them not being properly socialized when they're young is that they won't know how to fit into society as adults, and therefore they won't be good citizens. So it, it kind of rolls over into another question uh, of civics and them being positive contributors to society. Uh, because if you don't know how to communicate with people and you just sit in a corner and mumble to yourself and suck your thumb, obviously you're not going to fit in well and you're not going to contribute. So that that's kind of where that argument is based. It's like it's a front for really a deeper question, which is what are these kids going to be like when they grow up? Right. And so that's what this study settled. And it found that homeschooled students were more positively engaged socially than institutional schooled students on basically any level that you could measure. Uh, so when you think about what are the metrics for what a good citizen looks like, um, you would say, okay, someone who contributes positively rather than negatively to society, right? And there's probably a lot of different ways we could look at that. So homeschooled students, it turns out, are more likely to read than others. They're more likely to have a library card. They're more likely to be aware of news and current events. They're more likely to vote in elections. They're more likely to help uh, political candidates with their campaigns. They're more likely to run for political office, statistically, you know, not numerically because there's less of them. Um, statistically, interestingly, they're more likely to have a college degree than non-homeschoolers. Again, not numerically because they're just less homeschoolers, but statistically, they're more likely to have a college degree. They're more likely to own their own business as opposed to merely being an employee. They're more likely to volunteer for community service. They're more likely to be involved in their church or religious organization. They're more likely to donate uh, money to charitable causes. Um, they are less likely to have been arrested. They're more likely to be married. They're less likely to do drugs. They're less likely to have uh, you know, alcohol addictions. And I mean, you go on and on. So when you look at somebody who is being a model citizen, if you will, and contributing positively to their community and helping and, and volunteering and all of that, um, homeschoolers are more positively engaged than private schoolers and, and government school students. It turns out that the group that is the least positively involved in society from a social standpoint are public schoolers. So this argument that homeschoolers are not being properly socialized, therefore they will not grow up and become good citizens is a complete myth that is based on bias. And I could go into the whole history of where the bias came from, the people who created the socialization myth, 
I tend to do that a little bit in the uh, education has got to have an opinion book. I also have a, a message called what about socialization, uh, which again is an audio on my website uh, that goes into great detail about who created the, the myth that you need to have 30 to 40 children all in a, a standardized classroom in order that for them to be properly socialized or, right. or even the, the myth that that is good socialization. Um, and they're just, I mean, there's a, a million different answers I could give to this. I mean, Again, the 30 to 40 student classroom, you know, go to any one of those classrooms and what do the teachers spend the whole hour telling the students to do? Sit down and be quiet. Okay. <laughs> they don't want the students socializing in that classroom. Um, homeschoolers learn to socialize with people of all ages, not just people their own age. It's such an artificial construct. I mean, when you're an adult, you never again have an environment in your life where you're lumped together with only people your own age. They, they don't tell you, okay, go to the fourth floor of your office building because that's where all the 35-year-olds work. Uh, <laughs> real life is not like that. And um, I, think, I think we just play into the myth that uh, we need to have our children spending huge quantities of time with other children their own age. Social science doesn't support that. The Bible certainly doesn't. In fact, the Bible warns us against that. Uh, there's a ton of answers that I could give, but suffice it to say that the entire socialization argument is an unsubstantiated bias created by social engineers uh, who want to convince people that their children need to be in a government school and that if they don't grow up in a government school, they'll be socially deficient, which is totally false. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. And, and, you know, I, I watch other homeschoolers these days and they, I think sometimes even the homeschoolers themselves are succumbing to this, to this. Totally. And so they are so worried that their child be socialized, that they are involving their child in this event and in that event. And pretty soon they're not even home very often because they're Correct. so busy um, trying to socialize their children because the, of this fear that we still have had instilled in us. Absolutely. I mean, basically, they still live with under underneath the government school myth. And uh, the greatest risk that homeschoolers have is of being of over socializing. Absolutely. Um, there, there are a few, a very small, very, very small handful of homeschoolers who are under socialized. Uh, I have met them. They exist. And there are a couple of them that need to get out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and, yet that's, and yet that's the stereotype for all homeschoolers. It's true. All homeschoolers are, you know, that family 
And that's not true. I mean, that's probably what two or 3% of all homeschoolers are like that. Right. But the majority of homeschoolers are very adequately involved socially and um, are, are probably involved in more things than they need to be. All right, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here. But what if I say to you, Israel, my child needs to be salt and light in the government school system. I mean, we are called as Christians to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world. And so that's why I need to send my child to a public school. I certainly have heard this one almost as much <laughs> as the socialization argument. Um, but this is what I call an intramural debate and in that this happens within the church, right? So you have the uh, academic argument in the world, the broader context of society. You have the socialization art, uh, argument within the broader context of society. This one is, a, is an inside the church discussion. And uh, it's been around for a very long time. Um, ba basically, again, I have uh, an article, sorry, a chapter in answers on this topic. I have a chapter uh, on this where I, I deal with this within the um, education book as well. And I approach it from two totally different angles uh, in both of those books. And there's so many facets to it. Um, first of all, we don't send children to be missionaries in any context other than this government school uh, argument, right? Uh, I don't know of any missions agency in the United States that sends six-year-olds overseas to be missionaries and evangelists. They don't. Um, they require that you be an adult, and they also require that you have an extensive amount of training before you go. You're going to have theological training. You're going to have linguistics training. You're going to have cross-cultural studies. You're going to go through an awful lot of teaching and training and equipping before you get to go overseas and be a missionary. Um, so uh, I, I think this idea that we have that these, these children are ready and equipped to go be missionaries is totally fallacious. Um, you know, just look at the results for one. Um, what you would expect to see if this thesis worked is you'd expect to see the public schools becoming more and more Christian all the time, because we've been doing this for at least the last 70 years, right? Uh, this has been the mantra of the, the Christian community. And yet over the last 70 years, uh, if you go back to say 1950, do you think the government school system is better today, morally and spiritually than it was 70 years ago? I don't think anybody would say that. I don't think anyone would say the government school system is a more Christian place now than it was during the Ozzy and Harriet leave it to Beaver Mayberry days. Um, so what we've seen is that um, objectively it hasn't worked. Like there are zero studies that show that that approach works objectively. So like if somebody had just invented the idea, we'd never tried it before. You might say, well, let's give it a go and see what happens. But we've been giving it a go for 70 years and the, the information is in, right? The data has been produced. And rather than our children converting the heathens to Christianity, the heathens are converting our children to heathenism. And we're losing 70% of church youth to the world before high school graduation. And that's three independent studies, Pew Research, Lifeway, and Barna Group all say 70%. And so we're losing seven out of 10 of our own children. Uh, they're not making converts. They are becoming converts of humanism and atheism and you know an, an anti-Christian worldview. So it doesn't work. Um, the scripture doesn't even prescribe it. Uh, in fact, you know, we're told in Proverbs 13:20 that if you walk with wise people, you will become wise. 
but a companion of fools will be destroyed. And so we have to think through what that means. It means that if your children are around foolish people, it's going to have a harmful influence on them. And what does the Bible use as the definition for fools? Well, one definition is where it says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So having your children around that kind of person is harmful. And then Proverbs 22, 15 says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So you take your child who has foolishness bound up in their heart and you put them in a school classroom with 30 to 40 other students who have foolishness bound up in their hearts. That's right. And they have a teacher who says God doesn't exist or God is irrelevant to everything we do in this classroom. And Christian parents, 85% of Christian parents think this is a really good recipe for good socialization for my child. And yet the scripture calls that a den of foolishness right. and says that if your child is influenced by that, they will suffer harm or they will be destroyed. Instead of that, we should have them be influenced by wise people. Well, what do wise people look like? Wise people are people who, first of all, have the fear of the Lord because that's the beginning of wisdom. And then secondly, people who are older and have more life experience. So we totally ignore what the scripture teaches us. And I, I think another thing to consider is most of these children who are being sent to the government schools to be salt and light, they're not even Christians. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, these six, seven, eight-year-olds, most of them are not even believers themselves. And the parents are saying they're going to go be missionaries. Uh, it's totally fallacious. It doesn't work. Um, we've seen it only result in massive loss of our own churched youth. And and I sometimes uh, call parents bluff on this because really salt and light is an excuse. Salt and light is the argument that people use who don't want to homeschool, but they don't want to be honest about it. Mm. And, and it really irks me. I'll be honest. It really irks me because if a parent just says to me, Israel, I don't want to homeschool. I want to send my child to a public school. I go, okay, fair enough. You're the parent. You know, it's, it's your child. Uh, that's your call. I get that. Like, I'm not going to impose my feelings about this on, on you as a parent, right? You, you need to make those decisions before God for what you do with your child. But the salt and light argument is smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It, it is a religious sounding, pious sounding excuse that parents make when they just don't want to homeschool. And so I sometimes will call their bluff on it and I'll say, look, if you really believe that children should be missionaries and evangelists in public school, um, the, the place to send them is actually not the public school because you've just told me how wonderful your local public school is and how your school is different and how you have all these Christian teachers and Christian principals and Christian coaches and administrators and you know, you have prayer and Bible study and all this on your school, public school campus, right? Which I don't believe most of that, but <laughs> there are Christians in the school system. I'm not denying that, but it, but people have a very Pollyannish view of what's going on in their local school. I just yeah. saw a stat recently that said something like 90% of all uh, parents believe that their public school is above average. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they know any, they need to take a statistics class somewhere in school because that's not how statistics work. Uh, so, but everyone believes our school is different. So, so I just, you know, play along with it. And I go from what you just described to me, um, it sounds to me like your local public school is virtually a Christian school and doesn't even need your child's witness there where you need to send your child is to the local Muslim school. Send, send your six-year-old, your eight-year-old to the local Muslim school to convert all those Muslim children and the imam, because that's who really needs the gospel. That's mm -hmm. where the, the darkness really is. So if your child's going to be a light, send them somewhere where it's actually dark. 
send them to the Muslim school. And then, of course, they will become incensed and they'll say, well, Israel, that's a terrible idea because Islam is a false religion. Right. And, right. and I'm like, OK, so there's nothing wrong with evolution. There's nothing wrong with humanism. There's nothing wrong with relativism, with uh, teaching uh, gender dysphoria, with uh, revising history with teaching cultural Marxism in the classroom. All of that's fine. God doesn't have a problem with any of that whatsoever. But for some reason, he has a particular phobia about Islam. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> the point is, they're not being honest. They would right. never, ever send their six or eight-year-old into a Muslim school because they know their child would be converted to Islam. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what's happening to 70% of church youth in the government schools and we we hold we keep upholding the myth that right. oh we need to just keep doing this for some reason because supposedly it's it's Christian it's a Christian idea it's not what Christ commanded us to do our children are not the missionaries our children are the mission field absolutely that's absolutely true good arguments there for sure. <laughs>《Troubling Times》It's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.